Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Playing Around. I'm your host, Paige Renee, and this is a very special episode because I have two guests this week, the very lovely Amanda Rose, as always, and a new guest to the show, Andrew Coulthart. Thank you so much for being on. You're a multiple winner on the European tour, and now you're working for Sky Sports, and you've also been on the Ryder Cup team, the 1999 Ryder Cup. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that because I just found that so fascinating. What was it like behind the scenes to be a player at the Ryder Cup? Because when every time I've watched, it seems like the most amazing event out there with just the energy of the event, something that's so different than any other golf tournament out there. Yeah, that's right, uh, Paige. It's uh, it's incredible. Um, the intensity of it is um, is is just electrifying. You know, you're up against these players on a on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, and then you know you get into this this Ryder Cup team and the coming the coming together and the cohesion of everybody that you're trying to beat on a regular basis is just unbelievable. You know, these people are doing everything they possibly can to enable you to play your best golf. Um, you literally do, you know, become brothers bonded by this incredible experience of going toe to toe against the United States of America. Uh, it's enormous. It's uh, it's life changing. It's a, a dream come true, and and memories are created that uh, that you will absolutely never forget. It's it's just the most special special event out there. So you played on one of the most memorable Ryder Cups uh, when <laughs> yeah. the US came back. How was that when you felt like you guys, did you feel like you had it? Did you feel the momentum shift? Like, how did it feel as a player? Yeah, massively. Yeah, 99, as, as you said. Yeah, we had uh, seven rookies on our side. We were playing over in uh, Brookline. Um, 
three of the rookies hadn't played, myself included, by the time we got into the singles, but Europe had a four-point lead. You know, at that at that moment uh, and, and at that time, you know, that was that was an okay thing to do. Since since then, everybody tries to make sure everybody has a game before the singles. I don't necessarily believe that. You do what you have to do for the team to win. And at that point, you know, Europe four points ahead. Everything they'd done to that stage was was right. But yes, we went out there. Uh, the format of the match was um, one and two went out. That was... Uh, uh, Lee Westwood, Darren Clark, they both lost their opening matches. Then the next three rookies that hadn't played, as I said, myself included, Jarmo Sandlin, Van der Velde and myself, we all lost. And that was the that was the massive momentum switch that the Americans uh, obviously focused on, tried to achieve, did achieve. It turned the whole aspect of the match. You could feel it when you were out on the golf course. You know, the energy that the American team were were given by the by the incredible spectators over there. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it went right down to the wire. It was only one point at the end, but uh, it was uh, very, very disappointing from our point of view. Trust me, uh, you know, seeing grown men cry uh, is, uh, is a tough thing to do. Seeing your teammates cry is a tough thing to do. But, you know... As I said, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't swap it for the world. It was, it was a magnificent experience uh, coming over here to play against the Americans, and uh, we just came up short at the end of the day. And you played against Tiger Woods in the singles matches. How was that? I, I would say, out of all the people I've met, he was the one person that I was literally trembling. My hands were shaking, my legs were shaking, and he, I had to chip it in front of him. And I was like, just don't chunk it, don't blade it, just hit a good shot. Like, how did you feel going into that? I mean, that was at, you know, close to like the height of his career when he was playing so amazing. Were you like, okay, like, let's give it our best go? Or how do you even approach that? Yeah, that yeah, I was I was thinking something similar to you, you know, don't don't chunk don't, all all those kind of things. Um no, look, I I played him I I was um with him in the last round of the open at Carnoustie that year. We went out, I think, the fourth last group. So I played played him on a Sunday. I'd played with him and David Duval in the World Cup over in Japan. So I, I'd played with Tiger a few times. Um, you know, it it, it was a win. I, I couldn't lose really because everybody was expecting me to 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 go down, go down quite heavily. But I, I just, I just figured I just tried to sort of play my game and, and you know, see how long I could last. If I could last out quite a bit against the great Tiger Woods, then maybe that would give the team, you know, a little, a little bit of hope. And um, I do remember standing. Well, he tells, he tells a story that uh, on the on the very first tee, he says, uh, Andrew, you don't know this hole. It's a dog leg right to left par four because I hadn't, you know, I'd only played in practice. I hadn't played it in any of the tournament conditions. <laughs> So he was trying to get inside my head straight off. Um, anyway, we halved it in bogey fives, but I remember getting to the top of my backswing on the first tee and I said, don't top it. And I didn't. I went right underneath it and hit it about 230 <laughs> yards. Oh my gosh. Well, that's amazing. Again, I want to thank both of you for joining me today, but we got to talk about the Ryder Cup this year because it was, I think, a bit different than how everyone expected. I want to know what your initial thoughts were going into the Ryder Cup. Were you expecting Europe to dominate again like normal, or were you um, hoping that USA was going to, you know, come back and give it a good fight, which they ended up doing? But when I went into this year, I was like, it's going to be Europe again. They're going to win. They just, they won, you know, nine of the last 12. They had that team chemistry. You had mm -hmm. all of the drama before with like, you know, all the teammates on the USA side, just not really getting along. There was all those storylines. And I really thought Europe was going to take it again. What'd you guys think? Yeah, I agree. I, I had, I had money on Europe and I usually pick a team to win based on like who I like on the team or, you know, just kind of team chemistry or whatever, or the captain, if I don't like the captain, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to that team. But I really thought Europe was going to pull it out this year. Like I thought Westwood was going to just have his like 
you know, his last stand and just absolutely slay. I thought Beastburger was going to just dominate. Like I, I didn't expect the U.S. to actually work well cohesively. And then when Stricker split up the teams that worked so well in the mornings um, on Friday and then he you know split them up in the afternoon, I was kind of surprised. I'm like, why would you, you know, change something that's working so well? But it ended up working just well. And then the U.S. just continued to dominate. And I, I don't know. I was I was shocked. I was shocked. But I was impressed. Yeah, um, I I thought uh, I, I thought the American team uh, would win. Uh, I thought I thought it would be an awful lot closer than it was. I was surprised when we got to Whistling Straits uh, how much the golf course suited the eye of the Europeans. I thought the the wind would be a great factor that would help the Euros. Um, I think obviously Captain Stricker did a great job. Uh, I feel for uh, Porrick Harrington. I mean, I've known him since uh, you know since we were were playing youth golf together. Uh, he's a great bloke. He, he did everything he possibly could do. He he tried to mix things up a bit. Ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, our players just didn't didn't bring their A game. Um, one or two of them were able to perform. A lot of them, unfortunately, uh, maybe some of their games had tailed off slightly by the time the matches came round, and uh, ultimately ended up an, an incredibly dominant performance from uh, yeah a much a much more joined up american side than we've had for quite some time um, i thought to, to a player they all played magnificently uh, the rookies especially again were, were tremendous um you know you've got an unbelievable team and you've got an unbelievable team for for quite some time to come this could be a huge momentum shift in terms of the outcome of Ryder cup matches for the next uh, decade or so why do you think the Europeans didn't bring it this year? Was it just that they were outplayed or it just felt like they didn't have that same energy that they've had in, you know, past Ryder Cups where maybe the, the teaming wasn't quite right. The pairings weren't right. But why, what was lacking this year? Because there was definitely something lacking. Even, you know, we saw the first day, first couple matches besides, you know, Rom and Sergio, which was a very dominant pairing. But besides that, there really wasn't that, you know, same type of European chemistry that we're used to seeing yeah it's a good it's a good question um i think i think it's tough coming over here um when you know there isn't any kind of european support it's hard enough trying to trying to play on america um you know when the you when, when when we do bring the support over here when there's none of that it's 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 not difficult to get energized because if, if you can't get up for a Ryder Cup, there's something wrong with you. But, you know, you, you look at the team, I, I don't know. Yes, they were lacking the likes of Rose, major champion, Stenson, major champion. Keimer's not playing up, playing to, to the high standards nowadays, so he's not in the team. You know, we, we don't have those major champions. And maybe maybe part of that maybe took away some of the, some of the self-belief. A couple of players, like I said, weren't really sort of playing that well and and you know you go out there in that cauldron and and you understand in in no uncertain terms that you know everybody there basically wants you to lose and and that's a it's a really tough environment to play that said uh, you know i thought there was nothing wrong with the crowds the crowds were the crowds were fantastic you've got to expect that kind of stuff uh but but you know it's um it's quite an intimidating atmosphere yeah, I was going to ask about that because that was a big topic on social media was how the crowds were reacting. You know, a lot of people were against the the boos on the bad shots and uh, they didn't like how against the American crowds were for the Europeans. And, you know, I, I didn't really have a problem with that. I thought that, you know, it's it's a it's a team event. You're against each other. If you go to any other sporting event, you see crowds doing that. They boo, they yell. It's, it's just different. And I just felt like 
everyone on Twitter, golf Twitter was overreacting and it really wasn't as bad, but I wasn't there. So I didn't really hear what they were yelling or what they were saying. I know I've been at the waste management on hole 16 and they yell some very inappropriate things out there that does cross the line. So I know that it's possible, but from what I heard, it just seemed like, you know, good old fun. And people were just getting into that mentality that they would for any other sporting event that's head to head. Yeah, yeah. Um, from from my point of view, look, uh, the, the um, Ryder Cup transcends sport. It's not just it's not just golf fans that, that come to this. It's it's such a it's such a, a massive sporting event. Um, you know, that's how sports fans carry on in some of the other um, sports that, that that are out there. I, I don't have a problem with it. It it is what you expect. If it was just golf fans, then you know, yes, it's it's not the the etiquette or or, or the way golf has been and is perceived over the years but goodness me you know we've, we've got to we've got to bring golf into the 21st century you know we've we've got to upgrade it and and and, and that's just part and parcel of it it doesn't happen on a, on a weekly basis mostly um there, there always is the odd idiot here and there that lets themselves down it doesn't matter what side of the pond you come from but you know that that booing you know it it, it it's just it is what it is for goodness sake you know you've got to you got to big up you got to you got to get got to get on there and and just deal with that that's what you're going to face um and and you know there was no i never really heard any or or much um you know inflammatory or 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 derogatory or, or degrading shouts or or messages out there um everything was Everything was pretty well controlled. The people, the people who were looking after the crowd, they, they they managed it really well. And you know, I think when the players look back on it, they'll just say, you know, hey, it, it was what it was. You know, we we got to kind of expect that and deal with it. Amanda, how do you feel about it? Because I know you lean more on the conservative side of you know golf fans following the rules of the game and you know oh, and not screaming and. <laughs> It's weird because it's so not my personality. Like I'm such like a fun, goofy, like I don't give a, you know, kind of person. But like when it comes to golf, I don't know. This is going to sound kind of bad, but like I, I was kind of raised in this like waspy culture of like being seen and not heard. Like actually don't even be seen, just kind of just go away kind of thing. <laughs> like as a child, like that's just this environment, like this, just the area where I live. Like that's just kind of how everyone is. And like, so when people get like really rowdy and like all crazy, especially in golf, I'm just like, I don't know how to react. Like, and, and it's not, it's nothing like bad. I mean, there were things I heard people yell that I didn't love. Like when Sergio was right before Sergio was teeing off um, in a singles match, I think someone yelled, you're the worst. And it's like, just <laughs> shut, shut up. Like you don't need to attack someone's character. Like, but it was like, everyone had gotten quiet. And then someone just goes, you're the worst. <laughs> Dude, he's old. He's like a neutered dog these days. Like, leave him alone. (laughs) I just, I don't know. It's like, there's just certain things that don't need to be yelled. Um, Like, and it's not as much the what's being said. It's when it's being said. It's like, don't get really quiet and then wait till they like take their backswing and then make noise. It's like, just, I don't know. That's all. But I mean, the cheering is exciting. Like the USA stuff's fun. Like I, but it's, it's also more fun when you hear the Olays coming back. Like I almost felt like the European team was just like, they just had everything kind of against them this week. It's like, you know, they, like Andrew was saying, they didn't have the support. They didn't have um, the same 
experience that they normally would have. And also for Europe, I feel like it's a little bit harder to make the Ryder Cup team as a European player. You know, we've seen people in the past, like go back to the European tour because they wanted to make it on that points list. Like for them, I just think it means a little more. And they didn't just have to wait two years this past, you know, break. They had to wait three years. And then instead of just the one year of really trying to push, they kind of did it for two years. So I think the European team just had a lot going against them. So when you put that against the crowds and everything, I think it's just emotionally draining at the end of the day. Well, and we saw that with Rory when he just broke down in tears and gave a really thoughtful interview, which was, I think, a really impactful moment for everyone. But you can see he was drained. He just put everything into this week. And I think you're right, Amanda, being there and not having any of the crowds there for you. It must have just been so isolating and exhausting. Uh, But Rory, I mean, that interview, we we don't deserve him. He is so special. And to just let his guard down and he always does that, but just to be emotional. I think sometimes when we're looking at Rory now in his career, a lot of people can say that maybe he just doesn't care. He has all the money. He's won before. He just doesn't have the heart that he used to. And I think he proved everyone wrong with that interview. I agree. Yeah, um, I, absolutely. I thought it was a, a, f- a fantastic interview. Um, yeah, we, you know, we love Rory. Everybody loves Rory. I, I hate it when somebody criticizes him for, <laughs> for, um, for saying what he feels because, uh, you know, He's the, one of the only people that do it, really. Uh, I tell you honestly how, how they're feeling and what they're thinking. And if you criticise that, then you're just going to get bland, rubbish answers. I think mm-hmm. uh, it was an indication, really, of how disappointed he was, how um, how helpless he felt he had been all week, how he hadn't been able to contribute because, you know, the European team needed the big players to step up. We had Ram Garcia, I thought, was incredible given his age. Mm-hmm. Now it's tough. It's tough to compete against these young guys. It's tough to compete in a Ryder Cup, as you say, mentally and physically draining, playing 36 holes a day. Garcia was immense. Uh, But yeah, Rory, you know, Rory didn't really sort of pitch up. Westwood didn't really sort of pitch up. And, you know, when that happens, you know, your your team are going to be on the back foot. You need your top players to be performing. And and they they didn't perform. And you, you you saw really how that had affected McElroy. He was... He was in bits there at the end, but but yes, it, it showed you that he did give everything to the team and that he's very passionate about that team and, and, and about going forward in Ryder Cups. Andrew, I have a question for you. What what was your take on Padraig's decision to pair um, or to play Casey against the, you know, like DJ's group, like to pair them for five, whatever, all of the matches in a row. Did you like that decision from Padraig? Did you think that, like maybe if there were changes early in the week, things may have gone Europe's way come the end or. Yeah. What, well, what I thought was interesting, you know, now, now when we come down to fixing up pairings and things like that, it's a lot of it is data driven or data driven. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, they match up, not just the players golfing abilities and, and where they excel out on a, on a specific golf course, but also the individual temperaments and characteristics, and, and they match these, these groups up, up that way. So there's an awful lot of detail goes into it. And I believe they had several plans in place in case things didn't work out. But ultimately, the, the, the men that we were talking about weren't playing well. And when, they were, when they're not playing well, to me, that data gets slightly skewed, and, and they kind of stuck to a plan rather than maybe bringing a little bit more 
um, a more organic approach into it, a more a more emotional approach and said listen you know an arm round you can you play do you want to play what about let's just mixing it up and maybe putting giving him a rest or putting him out with somebody else uh, or this is old he's what he's 44 and you have him playing every uh, match hey, hey there's nothing wrong with 44 he's not hey. young like he's not 30 years old anymore so you're putting him out for you know five five matches that's a yeah. lot and you know bob or costas always talking about his turf toe so you know it's a lot yeah. on your turf toe yeah 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 um yeah it is it is there's no there's no doubt about that uh but i think you know that was indicative of of the inability of some of the others to perform you know you know casey's numbers in terms of how he's played have been really good this year um he's always one of the top iron players you know the golf course demanded that uh, that's the type of thing i'm talking about you know they're looking at his statistics with his hands say, you know, he'll deliver a point, he'll deliver a point. It's just, you just got to keep him in there, keep him in there. And, and of course, you know, golf's not like that. It doesn't, it doesn't always work out like that. You know, you're up against a person that's playing better than you that day. And, and all those kind of numbers go out the window. And, and we do know that by the time anybody gets to, gets to the Sunday, uh, if they've played all four matches, there's just nothing left. I mean, the American guys, those that did it, they did it just carried on a wave of adrenaline. You know, when they come down from this, it's going to be a massive crash. But uh, but it sustained them through the whole week, and, and and that's why they were so ridiculously dominant. Yeah, I think you know Paul. When Paul will look back at it, he'll be disappointed because he himself has the opportunity to turn around to Porrick and Harrington and say, "Listen, you know, I'm just not feeling it. Give somebody else a go, or or or, or let's mm-hmm. let's try and mix it up." But you know, there's, we can always just speculate from here on in. So Andrew, you were the captain for the Palmer Cup, so you've been in that situation where you've had to think of these pairings and what was your approach to? I'm sure it's very difficult. And <laughs> how would have you have done the pairings for the European team? <laughs> yeah, I actually I actually demoted John Ram down down the down the order. So that <laughs> sh- so that shows you what I know. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, no. Funnily enough, Deshambo was in in the American side. That we, we look the golf course suited us. This was. Well, when we won, we were at Walton Heath. We got, uh, you know, we, we got drilled over in, um, goodness me, we were in Delaware. Um, Wilmington Country way. Club, I was there. W- Wilmington, yeah, Wilmington. Yeah, well remembered, Amanda, yeah. Um, yeah, we were there. We got absolutely drilled in that one. Some other guys like Justin Thomas and stuff were in the team. So, yeah, so that's been really interesting um, looking at that and seeing how these young guys have, have already come up through the ranks and are now at the top of the world. Um, what would, you know, what would I have done? Um, I don't know. I think just like I, I would have said, I, I would have moved away from the, the 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 data and just tried to flip some pairings around and tried to inspire some kind of performance. Um, you know, after the first day, I wouldn't have paired um, Poulter and McElroy again because any mm-hmm. team that go down you know, as convincingly as they went down, that, that shows you there's a, there's a, there's a problem. I say a problem, they're not a problem between the players, but they're just not gelling. Yeah, yeah. So I would have, I would have swapped that. Westwood, Fitzpatrick, you know, they were fine, but, but Westwood's, there's just, there's just not enough birdies and, you know, in, in the tank for Westwood, he's incredibly solid, but he just doesn't hold enough putts. So I would have held him back a little bit and maybe, I, I agree with you, Amanda, about Wiesberger. I think Wiesberger was incredible. I think he was underplayed. Mm-hmm. Lowry was underplayed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you talk about trying to get the emotion, you know, you get these guys that have some kind of a spark in them, that a life in them, a youthfulness that gets out there and and, um, and, and can filter down into the rest of the team. But, you know, it uh, it, it, it didn't really happen. And I, 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 like I said, I feel for Porrig because he was trying to do everything right. But, you know, when, when the gun went off, you know, the guys were left at the, at the starting line. Well, speaking of pairings that I wish happened, Brooks and Bryson. I mean, I wanted to see it. I thought potentially that Stricker was going to put them together the very last match. 
didn't happen. I got a lot of flack on social media for wanting to see that. A lot of people are saying, why mess up the team chemistry? It didn't matter. Why do it for entertainment when we're trying to win, but they're already so far ahead. I just thought it would have been such an amazing moment. And they seem to be getting along, at least like they looked like they were getting along. Did you want to see the Bryce and, and Brooks pairing? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I did for the entertainment value, but then at the end of the day, if Steve Stricker had actually put them together, I would have been like, dude, you are literally handing Padraig a win on a silver platter right here. Like it just wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been good. Cause then Brooks would have been annoyed. Brooks would have probably not played well. He probably wouldn't have played well for in the subsequent matches. So I, I, it would have been fun to see. That's a president's cup thing. Like let's wait till wherever they are next. And you know, we'll wait for president's cup. Yeah, I, I, no, I'm, yeah, I'm with you both as well. I, I think they could have done. I, I, you know, this spat that they have, it's been, it's been pretty pathetic. Um, everybody needs to get over it. I, I th- sometimes I've seen these things happen before when you have two people that don't get along. The one way, the one way to try and figure this out is, is to, is to make them fight for one another, and, and, and put them, put them out there and, and force them to try and uh, bond. Um, there was an opportunity to do it, obviously, day two, once a foundation had been created. Uh, sadly, we didn't get a chance to see it, but uh, it, it, it would have certainly provided an awful lot of talking points, that's for sure. How do the Europeans feel about the whole Bryson and Brooks situation? Because I, I know I've seen it on social media where more of the Americans are like all for and they love the drama, but the Europeans are like, this is classless and pathetic and I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> Uh, that's not me. I quite like it. I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. I, I, I love it. Uh, I think it's tremendous. I, look, there's, look, it's it's the big wide world. It, it happens in, in absolutely every aspect of it. It's all about about you know being top dog. And if you want to be top dog, you've got to be able to to hack that stuff. Um, you know, sometimes I don't. I think you know Bryson's Bryson's probably not quite just got the hang of things just yet I'm, I'm not sure he comes out on top very often I think he's uh, he's got a few things still to learn in the banter stakes yeah. uh, but I'm I'm off I'm all for that process to keep on trying I'm enjoying it I you know it does provide a tremendous amount of talking points but uh, you know it's it's fun it's funny yeah. it's amusing it's amusing I've, I, I I love it I, I like to see who's winning and losing that one each week I feel like this week was a bit of a redemption tour for Bryson DeChambeau. I felt like he really thrived in the environment where people were actually cheering for him, which is something that he probably doesn't feel too often. And I think you saw it with the way he was playing, the way he was interacting, and even his interviews after. He just seemed so much more relaxed and not as on edge as he normally is with, you know, the crowds always against him. And I felt like people actually started to like Bryson DeChambeau this week, you know, especially when he drove number one and he he just, you know, threw his putter up in the air and everyone was screaming for him. I felt like he almost let his guard down a little bit and we saw maybe the real Bryson and not who he's been pretending to be. Do you feel like people now are more on Bryson's side or is this going to be a Patrick Reed situation that they only love him when it's a team event and then they go back to disliking him when it's normal play? Amanda, what do you think? It's that's going to be up to Bryson. It, that at the end of the day is going to be up to Bryson. It, it's been up to Patrick to make people like him. And he has continually done things to make people dislike him. And it doesn't help that his wife also does things continually to make people dislike Patrick. So thankfully Bryson doesn't have like that part working against him. But I just, I think Bryson just needs to have the right people surrounding him, telling him 
the right things. And I think he, he's going to grow and mature and learn as he goes on. Like he just wants to be loved. I see a lot of myself in Bryson when I see that like vulnerable part of him, that's just like, he just wants to be liked because I'm the same way. And I, I just think that he needs to not, he needs to be more like Rory. Just say, just be honest. Like even if your opinion fucking sucks, it's okay if your opinion sucks, but like, if it's coming from the heart, like instead of lying and saying, Oh, I'm doing something because I'm trying to help other people. It's like, that has nothing to do with anything. Like that's wrong country and not happening here. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're not helping anyone by doing that. So it's like, he just needs to, he needs to be his own best friend. You know? Yeah. That's interesting. I don't, I don't think he acts naturally. I think he acts in a certain way that he, he thinks he's supposed to act. Um, And and sometimes it, it it doesn't it doesn't come across great. He he worries that other people um, are bringing his Bryson brand down, but yet he does enough things out there himself to bring Bryson's brand down. Whether it's arguing with a cameraman, whether it's that thing the other day there, which I only heard about, I didn't see where he measured the length of the putt that he was made to putt. On With the his ninety-inch putter, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, that was just, that was just crazy because this this is match play, Bryson. It's not stroke play. You you do not deserve every single putt that's out there. This is a much more mental game than than just a technical game. These kind of things are within the rules. If they're within the rules, get on with it. If he'd done that to me, I'd have made him put everything for about the next six holes. Um, it's just you know, if if you want to start playing that game. We can we can go on playing that game. That was just yeah. just stupid, really. That was that, that was crazy. Get on with it, put it. You're, you're you're making a bit you're making a bit of a fool of yourself here. And and I'm I'm to try and answer your question, Paige. I, I I suspect it was just because it's the American side. I suspect when we go back out onto the tournament schedule again, maybe some people will respect him. I certainly love him for what he brings to the golf, but some of the way he he goes he goes about it, um, I think. I think he's not going to endear himself to too many other fans. Well, we saw that, you know, obviously Bryson measuring the putt and then Brooks with the rules official, that whole ordeal, Justin Thomas being pretty feisty. I felt like a lot of people were a bit upset with how the Americans were competing. And, you know, a lot of people thought it crossed the line. Do you think they crossed the line and it wasn't good sportsmanship? Or do you think, did you like that, you know, a bit of a more fiery attitude to make it more of like a head to head competition, like in other sports? Yeah, I don't. I don't mind the the feistiness. I, I love seeing the passion out there. That's that's what uh, you know. The, the the pressure is so intense uh, for these players that it's understandable that uh, you know sometimes they let their guard down a little bit and they get absorbed by the by the emotion of it all. I don't mind that at all. Yeah, the Brooks thing uh, with the the referee uh, really that was that was crazy. That was daft. Um, the first referee said no, so he called the second referee. The second referee said no, and then Brooks said something about you know if he, if he goes ahead and breaks his wrist, well. Brooks, if you're worried about that, you take a penalty drop. You know, it's that it's that simple. Yeah. You know, it's it's not the referee that's breaking your wrist. It's going to be you that breaks your wrist. The point is, the club wasn't going to follow through and subsequently didn't, as he proved. Therefore, the referees were right. They needed to suck that up a bit and just deal with it. And, and you know, for, for Berger to get involved, it, I think it still worked out okay for the Americans, but distractions like that at that time of a match just the last thing that you need um, and and it could have had a, a bad impact not just on their match but subsequently the rest of the team it was a case of the referees that's what it is deal with it and get on with it come on lads yeah Amanda how do you feel about it 
Yeah, I think, like I was saying earlier, it's just such an emotional, like, two years, you know, waiting for it. It's been three years. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot of pressure on them. The American team has been pretty bad in the Ryder Cup recently. I mean, they, they were being brats. Like, that's kind of the end of the day. They were acting like brats. But that they didn't, it's just, they, they didn't, like, do anything to break any rules. They didn't, you know, like, go and like machete someone you know so it's like it, i think it's okay um but they're just being bratty like that's just that that's one of the reasons that the american team like they kind of have these egos or these chips on their shoulders that you don't as much see with europe i don't know if it's just we see i mean we see far less shots with europe like i mean and now i feel like i'm watching less and less euro tour like it's on less and less and it's driving me crazy so maybe they're more like that but it's like you just kind of see it more from the american side and i don't think it was bad sportsmanship i mean they just were being bratty like the whole bryson putter thing was annoying and Stupid, Bryson move. I mean, I mean, of course he was do with that. the world's longest putter. That's not like <laughs> I, I just I mean, what is Adam Scott going to be the next one to do that? Like, in the oh, you didn't give me a 10 footer at the president's <laughs> cup. Like, no. So I just I don't know. It's uh, I mean, Bryson's seen himself putt in the last like three weeks, right? Bryson is not putting well. So I don't know why Bryson thinks that he was going to get any putt, period. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, I would say, though, something that was really, I think, I was happy to see was the post-match interview with all of the guys letting their hair down, um, pretty toasty. I mean, they were having a good time. I mean, Dustin probably gave the best interview of his entire life and said two <laughs> words. Uh, but I love seeing, like, that side of them. You know, we we know that side of them. We see them when they let their hair down a little bit, and they're so much fun. But the public never sees them have fun and be normal. And I felt like that was such a big moment for golf because, Andrew, like you said earlier, like, we need to get more people into the game, and this is a great way to do it. And I think people love to see them be normal and not like these stuffy country clubs. Uh, bratty kids like they seemed like us like our buddies like what we would do when we were just standing around drinking but I I love that or even you know like uh, Justin Thomas and Daniel Berger you know shotgunning beers and Xander shotgunning beers I love that and we still saw it again on golf Twitter where people were upset about it and saying that that's not golf and that's not you know what we need but that was fun I love the energy I love what they were bringing I felt like so many people finally could relate to these golfers that they could never relate to before because they just see them, you know, driving in on their Ferraris, you know, playing the best golf course in the world, giving robotic answers and then leaving. And this is the first time we saw them like really be human. Like, did you guys love that as much as I did? Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think it's I think it's important. I think it's crucial to the future of the game. I, I think, uh, you know, one of the reasons that players are perceived as, as brattish, though, is, of course, for several years, you know, they live in an environment where they used to getting everything their own way. And, and mm-hmm. when they get everything their own way, they're, they're ridiculously handsomely paid. So, uh, you know, for some reason, I think in, in a lot of instances, they start to expect to get things, uh, you know, rather than just understand, no, you don't, it doesn't always work out uh, that way. Um, yes, again, the, the problem stems from when they do let their guard down, when they do give us an insight into who and, and what they're all about, they get criticized. So when they get criticized, you know, you can't have it both ways. The world can't have it both ways. You can't criticize them for some of the things that they say and then and then want them to open up. You know, you have to either you have to either appreciate it, just just report it, talk about it, 
just understand that at the end of the day, they're human beings. They, they live in a goldfish bowl, and uh, and and it's you know it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it was it was fun to see them have fun. I'll be honest, like by by the time Morikawa like clinched the cup or whatever he did cl- cup clincher i was like can we not say that dan hicks like that is not something that needs to be a thing but at that point i was like all right i need to sleep i just was done but yeah it was fun i was watching a lot of the stuff on social media later in the media center and they were just having a great time and it was it was good to see it was nice to see that side of them i think um a lot of those guys are really cool guys like off of the golf course and we just don't really get to see that and that was it was a lot of fun to see that i thought i was surprised that burger and uh jt shotgun a beer like in the middle of the day on saturday when they horribly i must add like what were they doing it took i i was i was shocked like i i can't even drink and play golf like as casual so i was like good for them but um no i mean they are having fun I, w- I was bothered that JT threw away half a can of good beer. I was too. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna shotgun it, finish it. Goodness yeah. me, don't drink half of it and then throw it in the ground. Anyway, yeah. it was I like I like how he went about it. Finish your beer, JT. Good God. <laughs> okay, so as we wrap up here, I want to hear your biggest surprise of the week. It could be a player, it could be a moment, it really could be anything. But what was something that shocked you during this Ryder Cup? Man, did you want to start? Not really. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, there, was, yeah. there was a lot that w- I mean, it was just, it was a really long week. I think the main thing that shocked me just was Europe's, it was Europe not winning. Like, I really genuinely believed that Europe was going to win. I knew this American team was the best we've seen. I knew this was a really good team, but I just thought at the end of the day, there was just going to be some kind of like something. I don't know. I, 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 my, I really was shocked at some of the pairings Padraig put out. Um, Actually, I do want to say one thing, though. I had heard for a while that, like, Sergio and Rom didn't get along, whatever. Like, Rom doesn't get along with a lot of the Spaniards is, is what I'm uh, – was what I understand. So, to see them go out there and play together and play so dominantly, like, that was really cool. And as much as I would love to say, like, that's the next, like, Chema, Sevi, um, like, Armada, it's not because Sergio has maybe two Ryder Cups max left in him, one – possibly like so it's you're not we're not going to see that so I think um I don't know I think it was it was just kind of shocking to see the like the aging out of of the Europeans and I'm but I am excited to see the new wave of Euros that are coming in yeah Andrew before you give us our the most like your biggest surprise you know the European golfers the best who is the next like up and coming wave that we need to be looking out for because I mean I feel like the U.S. it's set we, you know, we have yeah. all, you had six rookies and they're playing well. And I feel like they're going to be playing well for a really long time. And I feel like this is going to be a team that we're going to continuously, but with the Europeans at maybe one or two more years with some of them, I, yeah. Rom will be someone we'll continue to see. But besides that, I don't really see them, you know, even Rory, I don't know how many more he potentially yeah. has, or if he's going to still be on. So who are some guys we need to look out for? Yeah, good question. It's uh, yeah, we're, I mean, we're we're banging our heads together trying to trying to look at that, trying to figure that out. Hovland's going to be here for, for for the foreseeable future. There's no doubt about that. He's he's an absolute star. Great kid. Um, we got a couple of uh, twins uh, over there in U- uh, Europe, Rasmus and Nikolai Hoygaard, who have won four events between them. They're only 20 years old. Uh, and Rasmus has won three of them. Nikolai just won a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they're very exciting to look out for. And another guy. And funnily enough, we're, you know, we're going to be in Italy. He he was in the mix. He was in the mix this year uh, and just, just missed out was Guido Migliozzi. 
Uh, he's a, a fantastic talent. I think he had about four runner-up place finishes. He's already won twice on the European Tour. So he's got, he's got a great chance. Now, from there, though, I'm starting to struggle. I'm starting to struggle where to see where other a lot of other players are going to come from. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting times for Europe. As we said, there's definitely been a, a massive shift. Can I just add, can I just add, now, you did leave off a possible future of Alex Fitz. Now, we'll see what he does like once he turns professional, but I think he has a lot of potential, and so does Renato Paratori. Like, I think he and Guido could be the Italian Armada or something. Like, I think that could be an incredible team. Or even if Adrianus, like, really finds his game in the next year or two and really, like, makes a huge push, I think Adrian could potentially be an up-and-coming Spaniard for that team as well. Yeah, yeah, I'd go, I'd, I'd go along with that. Uh, Arnaus, we need, we need to see Arnaus in the winners' circle uh, fairly, fairly yeah. soon. Yeah, he's, uh, he's not managed to make it to that point. Uh, Paratori, a couple of wins. Uh, yeah, he still needs to come back. Um, my biggest surprise, look, I one of the best things I saw this week, uh, and it was a surprise because I thought, well, I know he's nuts, but I thought it was impossible. Was Bryson DeChambeau's drive at the sixth hole? on the first morning uh, downwind, first morning or first afternoon, a bit afternoon because he didn't play fulls, uh, when he had 72 yards into the par five and he drove at something like 417 yards. Um, that is by far and away the best drive I have ever seen in my life. I mean, it wasn't just the distance. It ended up right in the middle of the bloody fairway. I mean, I mean, he split the fairway and just had a little pitch into the green, which he knocked stiff and knocked it in. It was one of the most, it was one of the best played holes I've ever seen in my life. And, Surprised the hell out of me. You must have been watching that on Sky Sports then. <laughs> we didn't oh, did you, see that on Golf did you Channel. Know what I well, I was out. I was out in the course. Did you miss that? That's a shame. <laughs> yeah, I think it was that or one of the drives that they just didn't even show. So yeah, they didn't cool. show it. Um, but he's going to do a long drive competition right after this. How do you think it's going to do? Uh, poorly. I think. I think they're, they're slightly they're different animals, aren't they? These these long drive. Um, uh, players are, are incredible. You know, you know, Bryson's going to start feeling like me if he, if, he, if he plays in one of those competitions. Um, He's straight enough. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Good job, good job he won because I couldn't believe when I heard that that he was prepping for something like that rather than prepping for a Ryder Cup. I think I think he had his priorities slightly mixed up there. But anyway, mm-hmm. he's gonna he's come out he's come out the right side of that. But uh, yeah, no, they, these are these are completely different athletes, and uh, you know, these guys are hitting at 380, 390 anyway. Um, you know, Bryce needs a little bit of wind help. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think, keep thinking of what my biggest surprise was this week. And I think, you know, it's kind of what you both said. I mean, Bryson kind of having his redemption and him hitting it long and everyone was just so for him. And then also the Europeans, like they really just didn't bring it. And obviously as an American, I'm happy that they won and Mm -hmm. that they did great. But I wanted to be closer. You know, I was kind of mm-hmm. bored the last day because it, it was a blowout and it wasn't interesting. I wanted to see that back and forth. You know, one of my favorite moments was uh, Reed and Rory going back and forth and they were shushing each other. And it just didn't have that kind of energy that, you know, some of the past Ryder Cups had. And I felt like it was lacking. We saw that it was one of the lowest rated um, Ryder Cups that, you know, we've had so far. And I think it was just it wasn't it wasn't that interesting it was interesting it was fun there was a lot to talk about but i wanted to see more of a competition and more of that back and forth and that just lacked for me uh but all in all i think it was great it was fun to have both perspectives and i want to thank you both for coming on um i really really appreciate it absolute pleasure good to see you thanks both. for having me Ooh. 
at JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her. Each in women's petite and plus sizes. And Stafford and Mutual Weave for him. Style and comfort for all. Even big and tall. Plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney. Make everybody count. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Okay, guys, I really hope you enjoyed that interview. I love talking to Andrew and Amanda. Love seeing their different insights. And then also, you know, Andrew being on a Ryder Cup team and also captaining, uh, captaining, captaining, cap, cap, <laughs> being a captain. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm still a little loopy. I'll tell you why in a second. Um, but yeah, it's hearing him and what he would do, and it was just so great. So I hope you guys enjoyed that interview so much. I enjoyed it myself. So I'm bummed out, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I was supposed to have this incredible stretch of, well, it's like six, six events in a row. I was supposed to go to Denver, and I was supposed to go to Wisconsin for the Ryder Cup, but I ended up getting really sick. And so I couldn't go and I was so bummed because I've never been to a Ryder Cup before and I was supposed to be doing something really awesome there. And it just broke my heart to see all of the videos and all my friends there and I couldn't be there uh, with them. And so that was such a disappointment. And so I have been literally in bed uh, sick for a while now and uh, recovering now feels so much better. Uh, but it, it was brutal. I haven't gotten sick in a very long time. And uh, I was just sleeping in bed. And I think it was probably a bit of just exhaustion tied into being sick because I've been going and going and going and my body honestly just like shut down on me and I just needed sleep. Like I didn't realize how sleep deprived I was until I had like three full days of just sleeping the entire day and like going to bed at eight and sleeping in and I haven't done that in forever. And I think that I've been throwing myself into work because of just, you know, things in my life and wanting to get the most out of, you know, this time in my life. And 
you can't do that. Sometimes you got to listen to your body. You got to listen to what you need. And sometimes sleep is what you need. And I think this was a good little break for me to get recharged. But yeah, no, I'm excited to like get back in the flow of things. And I have some really fun, exciting things coming up that I'm excited about. So let's get into football because I've been watching so much college football and NFL. I've been doing this thing where I pick games every single week and I see what my record is and my records actually have been pretty good, not going to lie. Um, I pick better for college games than I do for NFL. Um, speaking of NFL, can we just talk about how terrible the Steelers are? I knew this was going to happen, but I think just Big Ben needs to realize that he's over the hill. He needs just not good anymore. He's not the Ben that we know and love. He just can't move. He's not mobile. I mean, he looks like he's stuck in quicksand. Like there was one play where he just tripped over nothing. He looked like a toddler. He looked like he just couldn't even walk or run. And it's unfortunate because I, I feel like the Steelers could have been good this year, but they just don't have someone leading the way that they need. And that's unfortunate. I'm saying this now. I think that Georgia is going to win the national championship. And I think the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl. So it's on record. I'm saying it. Like I've said it before, but those are my two picks. The Rams look so solid. They look so good. But if you want to... Get in on the action. We have a lot of uh, great promos running at points bet. We do no juice during all of September. And I just heard we're doing all of October. So you want to get in on that. We have everything you could pick from for the Ryder Cup. For example, we had so many prop bets, nationality bets, tournament bets, um, anything you think of. Same with football. I would say college football is my thing. So if you want some more picks on this show, I can definitely do that for you because I think that's my calling. College football is my calling. No, I just have a good feel for it. Uh, NFL I'm getting better they're just they're hard so for NFL I'm struggling with the over-unders I just seem to miss those quite a bit but college football I'm right on with those and my picks are good for that um but NFL I keep wanting to do uh the over and it's it's I did that for the Broncos-Jets game. I picked the over and it did not work out well for me (laughs) at all, but I knew better. I should not have picked the over. should have stayed with the under. (laughs) Um, uh, So still getting better on that, Uh, but enjoying watching college football. I still haven't picked a team. I guess I'm I'm Ryan George now because I think they're going to win the national championship, so I might as well keep rooting for them if that's the case. Again, if you want to get in the action, go to the PointsBet app and everything's on there, all of the promos, the name of bets your prop bets, whatever you want, spreads, money lines, totals, all of it, and so much more is on the points by app. So go check that out. And you can see my lovely face everywhere. So if you just want to stare at me, then definitely go to the points by app. <laughs> Andrew Reese. Um, uh, but then moving on from football, going into golf, I'm sad that, you know, Obviously, we still have tournaments. I mean, the season feels like it never ends at some point. But it was such a good year with, you know, the Ryder Cup and all the majors. And it was so much fun watching golf this year. And I'm excited for what's to come. I think what we talked about a lot in the interview was the talent on the U.S. side and how this is going to be a dominant team for years to come. And you saw that. I mean, they just gel so well, which was surprising because people were talking about how there was going to be drama. But there really was only drama between Brooks and Bryson. When you look at all of the other guys, they grew up playing golf together. I mean, there's a picture of Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas when they played the Junior Ryder Cup together. And they were just, you know, little peanuts. And they know each other. And I think that's 
what made this team so well is all the rookies because they have played together, they grew up together, they're friends. And so you could see that when they were playing and just interacting with each other, just looked like they had so much fun. And it's gonna be an amazing team to come, but also just how good they're gonna be with majors. When you look at all of the guys, it's going to be hard to pick. I mean, Xander got over his issue of, you know, choking, coming down the line, and he won, you know, the Olympic gold medal. And it seems like from then he's gained so much confidence, and he's such an awesome ball striker. I used to watch him hit range balls, golf balls on the range. There we go. Golf balls on the range at, um, at SDSU and just striped it every single time. I mean, he's, his swing is just so perfect and so on plane, just never moves, just straight all day long. Um, so he's an amazing talent. We have Colin Morikawa, uh, I mean, Bryson. I mean, all of these guys on the team are going to be vying for all of these majors coming down the line. So I can't wait for next five, 10 years. I know we were always talking about the the next big thing or the, the person who's going to be the next Tiger, but I think it's gonna be harder to find that because there's just so much talent and they're all so good and they're all playing at such a high level that it's hard for someone to leap ahead of that and be like how dominant Tiger was and it's just probably not going to happen. But I kind of like that. I like that it's going to be that back and forth and like I said, that's what missed at the Ryder Cup for me is that, you know, it was a blowout and sometimes it's not fun to watch someone win over and over and over again. You want to see those playoffs, you want to see the back and forth and I think that's what's going to make the coming years so special because it's going to see a lot of head-to-head competition. And I like that. I think that's what we need. I think that these guys showing their personality a lot more, it's good for the game. And I think people are starting to relate to them a lot more. You see people who were like, "Eh, I don't really like Patrick Cantlay. He's a little bit boring. Now they're like huge Patrick Cantlay fans, which is great to see again. So I think this was good for a lot of the players to uh, see the reactions that they were getting off of social media and just from fans and being like, you're so cool. Like how many times do you ever hear someone say a golfer's cool? Never, almost never. And even though they were poor shotgunning uh, attempts, it was still fun to see them be normal. And I love that. And I think that people saw a different side to these golfers and we need to do more of that. I'd love to capture this energy into more tour events. And not that I want them shotgunning beers during the round, uh, but maybe after, you know, laying their hair down a little bit more, not giving those same answers and just being more loose and relaxed because they are relatable guys and they don't always come off that way. I think maybe the younger guys, the rookies on the team brought that energy and hopefully they can bring that to other events moving forward. But yeah, I think Ryder Cup is great. Sports has been great. I mean, I love watching college football and NFL. That's been so much fun to get back. We have baseball getting into playoffs fairly soon, which I'm excited for. Uh, I just love playoffs in all sports and even baseball. You guys know I go back and forth with baseball, but I love watching playoffs and baseball. We're coming into a really nice stretch of sports and there's me so much to talk about and I'm traveling a lot now that I've recovered and I'm feeling much better, which I'm excited about. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you want to leave us a comment or a message, you can email us at par at iheartradio.com or you can DM me at the Playing Around Instagram account. Always love hearing from you guys and I hope you enjoy this episode again and I will catch you next time. Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.